0: Thanks for tuning in to Small Big Wings, a window to the world of young, ambitious problem-solvers. They are makers, designers, builders, hackers, scientists, who heard their inner voice and amplified it. To learn more about our guest and to view the highlights of this episode, Head on over to fbw.hvj.coach. Today we have with us Geet Rathi. She works for TBWA's India Office of Design and Creative Director. She therefore helps create and develop advertisements to sell many things amongst which there are paints, oils, chocolates and textiles. In a world which is completely externally focused, Geet was able to listen to the subtle voice in her heart Develop it into an insight and create Blink2Speak, which is the world's first eye language guide. The blink to speak won CAN Lions Health United Nations Foundation Grand Prix for Good Award in 2018. Let's welcome Geet to the podcast today and deep dive into her insightful journey. Welcome to the podcast, Geet.
1: Hi, thank you for calling me here. It's a great pleasure to be on this podcast.
0: It's clear from the introduction that you are an advertising professional and you have done several things in that arena. I think what we would like to get straight into is that how did this insight happen? How did you convert that insight into this innovation called Blink to Speak, which has won accolades all over the world today and is helping many ailing patients today? It is helping doctors and nurses equally. So why don't you Take us through your journey of how this happened.
1: Yeah, sure. So as an advertising professional, we feel like we have sort of some, some creative powers to do some sort of work that can change the world. But it's not so easy to really have a world-changing idea. You must have heard that most artists need inspiration and sometimes they, they actually go into exile to get that inspiration or sometimes they really go through something and, and it helps them come up with ideas. So for me, it was the latter actually, something in my own family when I saw that my father here was suffering with almost like terminal disease called ALS and uh, the entire family didn't really know that he had ALS until like few of the doctors uh, started to figure out the symptoms and then he was diagnosed with ALS so I will just talk a little bit about the disease basically what it does is that there are two motor neuron cells in your brain which uh, suddenly and I'm talking in a very layman term which sort of stop working and that completely reduces your muscle and motor movements and the first thing that it attacks is your movement and eventually when the disease stages are higher like when you're on the third or the fourth stage of this disease you even stop communicating there is challenge in communication like because your vocal cords are also a sort of muscles so even they are affected and then the patient cannot speak and that's when I realized we at home used to find very difficult to even understand his basic needs he would not be able to move his hands, nor could he speak. So it was it was very difficult for us to understand and for him to convey his message to us. We continued staying around him and trying to understand him, but nothing really helped. And then eventually when he was in the ICU, and i was sitting outside in the cafe i was thinking we really need to find some sort of solution and make him communicate with us a little more easily so i just uh, quickly wrote down a few commands on my notebook and i said that we'll put this in the hospital curtains so that he can point and then i realized he can't even point but then when we took those messages and stuck them on the hospital curtain i saw that he used to look at them with his eyes very wide open so that's when I realized that I think there's something that we can do with his eye movements because it's absolutely normal like he's able to move his eyes if not his body and then eventually this uh, language came to life slowly and slowly we started making these commands like water and we used to ask him that if you want water just roll your eyes once or maybe look up or look down. That time there was no form to the language but it started to happen like slowly and steadily we started to create some commands and this as a family we were doing it and then eventually unfortunately he couldn't use a lot of these commands that we made for him because it was almost his last few days as he was already in the ICU and then We thought like this has to really become bigger because there will be a lot of other patients who can use this. I spoke to my company where I work and I took this idea to them and immediately people in my company, my immediate managers and my team who I work with, I took this idea to them and we all decided that let's just create an entire dictionary of uh, commands that patients like this would need. Then we had to just get into a lot of research, because uh, advertising professional, I wouldn't be the best person to know what the patient needs. So we had to get in touch with doctors, neurologists, and uh, and volunteers of Ashaic Hope Foundation. Who with the fo- this foundation is only treating or helping ALS patients or uh, patients with any kind of uh, neurological disorder and so we went to Dr. Himangi Sane from Neurogen BSI and with her vision and with her understanding of patients we created like 50 commands that any patient can use and then we also realized that this language does not limit itself to ALS and MND patients but spinal cord injury, quadriplegia people who are paralyzed below neck then even cerebral palsy to some extent because a lot of cerebral palsy patients are also paralyzed neck and many patients after head injury goes through some uh, sort of paralysis like this so in a way that this was not only ALS MND but a lot of other neurological disorders and uh, also the one important thing that I I was told by Dr. Alok from Neurogen is that they have stem cell therapy and a lot of other different medical technologies to help patients in their lives. But they have nothing to make quality of life superior. It's just like they can help them with some sort of medical treatment. There is no treatment for quality of life or or how they feel. So this language actually helped that also in the sense, because um, we have included commands like, I love you, thank you, I'm proud of you and things like this, which usually a person who's extremely ill, nobody cares about such sort of feelings for them. It's like till the time basic needs are taken care, people are happy, you know, is he able to eat food, drink water, go to the washroom and like very basic, nominal things. But we forget about the human emotions. So this language is also helping patients very emotional values. Imagine a patient who is in coma and probably has just come out of coma, but still cannot move and only his brain and eyes are sort of working. For patients like this, they can at least say thank you or I love you to their kids. We've, we've taken care to that kind of extent with this language.
0: Yeah. So how many instructions are there totally now in this language? And does it keep evolving or you have come to a conclusion with this?
1: So uh, see, the thing with uh, the language is also that it's not like a sign language that you can learn easily and it's your hands, but it is your eyes that have to move. So it can be slightly challenging sometimes for patients to learn movement of eyes. So we've kept it to fifty commands, which are very important. But we are not even telling patients or their caregivers to learn all the fifty commands at a time. Like, you know, they don't need to. Maybe the nurses and the caregivers can, but we are not expecting the patients to learn all the fifty uh, commands because it's not easy. Uh, to remember first of all it's a new thing it's not easy to remember plus it's movement of eyes so it it can get a little difficult and uh, it is not as clear as the sign language so you have to do it with a pause so that the the person in front of you understands so hence what we decided is we will only go with 50 commands but we will choose these 50 commands to be the most important 50 commands And within these 50 commands, we've included uh, the commands that I spoke to you, which are not very important, but essential. Like, uh, thank you, I'm proud of you, congratulations, happy birthday, and these kind of things. But other other commands are more about the very, very basic requirements, like start and stop. So I'm starting now to uh, use this language. So you need a command for the patient to... Tell somebody that I'm going to now talk to you using my eyes. So there is start and stop. There is yes and no. Because yes and no is something if any patient knows, he doesn't usually need to learn the entire language. Caregivers and family members know the patient so well that they already know what he needs. If they keep prompting, at least the patient will be able to say yes and no. For example, I would say that you want to go to the washroom he would go yes. And for that, he just need to do like one blink. And if I say, should I turn off the fan? Um, The patient just has to go two blinks, which means no. So yes and no are very important. And then I'm okay. I have heart pain. Please turn me to the left or turn me to the right because the body can't move on its own. Even to take turns on the bed, it's difficult for them. So these are very important uh, commands that we have kept in the first few pages of the book. Also like, call my wife or call my husband, call mother, father, wife, guardian, whoever. That is also very important because these are the people who are the primary caretakers, call the nurse. So we've kept a command for that and these commands are extremely simple. They are not complicated. So to call wife, it, he just has to blink once and look to the left. So it's as simple as that. So okay. keeping in mind what is very important for them, we've kept them extremely simple. Because if you see, realize there are seven eye movements and the amount of permutation and combinations that Excel can create is around some 700 to 1000 movements. Yes, it can be up to 1000 commands, but we don't need so many.
0: I think many people would have seen such conditions in their lives, in different geographies and they would have lived through those conditions of despair, of a feeling that they are not being able to do something, of a feeling that they want to do something more, but they are not being able to be of help to the sufferer. Now, this insight came to you, and you turned it into an innovation, which is recognized globally now. You have got the can cropry for healthcare or for good. So it is a huge recognition. But I want to talk to you about about this process of insight. How do you think this really happens? If you were to just introspect and think, think deep inside the. What really happens to hear that insight? Or do you have to be of certain different kind of a make? A certain different kind of a DNA for that to happen?
1: Yeah. So, no, you don't have to be of a different breed. I don't believe that, honestly. Because I've realized that the ingredients of uh, an idea like this or any innovation is basically nothing but like... uh, When you deeply care about something, which is called empathy, that is the ingredient of such ideas and and also the other thing is about caring for somebody and then doing something about it and not leaving the thought to just that, okay, I feel for them, but I am not able to do anything. Basically, you have to see that there is enough empathy, there are enough constraints and now let's get into the survival mode ourselves. If we get into survival mode, I think we will have a lot of solutions. Like you and me are talking about all this on, on Zoom because uh, we are all locked down. Otherwise we could have spoken face to face. But this is these are all survival uh, tactics, I would say. People, Anybody on earth, whoever feels empathy and who can take the constraints, can come up with any kind of uh, creative solution. I feel that so, and one important thing is also that you alone cannot make a big change. You need a lot of people to support you. My family completely supported me. We were going through a lot of turmoil in the family. But people in my family kept saying, no, this what you are doing is amazing. Father could not use it, somebody else will be able to use it, please go. Go to your office and finish this off very quickly. Make it happen. So that kind of support is required and that support everybody can give actually. The moment they realize the importance of empathy. And apart from your family support and your friend circle support, another thing that you require is a team of experts in the sense you have to find like the right people to make it happen because you alone cannot do it you need the right people who will you know who who will have different kind of strengths and then it creates like a beautiful innovation together so for this i don't think you need to be a creative person or or from a certain profession of creativity It can be anybody now. Nowadays, creativity is universal. It has value or it is something that every profession requires. It's just about pushing ourselves.
0: You said that if you really deeply care about something, you use the word empathy. But I think what you said even after that was the willingness to convert that. Yeah, I think there are so many of us who can feel empathetic about a situation or about an individual or his problems. But that step of doing something for that,
1: yeah.
0: how does that happen?
1: Yeah. yeah, because you have to understand basic English. Compassion is not a word. It is a verb. You can't just feel compassionate without hugging anybody. Like mm-hmm. You have to go and hug them. You have to get into their shoes and try to sleep on the bed without moving and feel it. Once you start to feel it, you will want to come out of it and then you will come up with a solution like this. And you will realize like in my industry I have seen more. In 2019 I had gone to Cannes and I attended the festival and I had tears in my eyes when I saw the Grand Prix winning work of 2019. There was a campaign by IKEA called Disables, T H I S, Ables, Disables. Okay. Okay. And that idea won Grand Prix in health. And I was part of that jury actually. So okay. I was part of awarding that uh, Grand Prix also. When the guy was awarded, like when the entire team was awarded, I had tears in my eyes because, again, another Grand Prix winning idea came out of complete empathy and constraints. And and this formula is never changing. This is the formula. Empathy, constraints, teamwork, this is the formula for any big innovation. The couch that you are sitting or the table where you are working, these tables and these couches and these chairs are not made for people who are disabled. They are made for people like us. Companies like IKEA or Pepper Fry, they are not making things for disabled people. They are making things for normal people. They are assuming that everybody is normal. So this idea basically came uh, from a creative team copywriter who works as a copywriter and is a disabled person himself. I don't really clearly remember what kind of disability it is. But when I saw him walking on the stage, he was limping and his movement was completely disabled. But he's the one who came up with this idea because he realized that he cannot use these furniture for his normal movement. For example, like if there is a doorknob, his fingers are like this, contracted, so he can't even open it. So what he created is basically small little objects that are attached to the already made hand door which helps him easily pull it off. So things like that. So they are basically smaller units that were created like detachables which you can attach to your regular furniture and they become easily used by disabled people. I can share that study with you so you'll see how that is again coming out from the same principles of thinking about people who nobody thinks for you know so Please it is all about yeah
0: does your training or does your work in terms of design thinking yeah does it help you to think in this direction does it help you to uh, take something which is uh, to to a completely full stage.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like design thinking, this concept of design came from creating, basically it came from this idea that we need to create solutions to make life simpler. It's also called human-centric design. It is all around humans, the needs they want, and how can design help that. Design is not just graphic design like that you do on your computer. Design is a, everything that you are doing around you. If I have to give an example, uh, a regular form that you are filling, government official form that you are filling, the way everything is written, the name is on top and then uh, surname is below that. Everything is thought through so that uh, any user who who tries to write that is it's simpler for him to complete that form sometimes people people get very i mean it gets very difficult for them to do a certain task because it is not designed well so design is extremely important and uh, even for bling to speak i think because i'm a designer i think it came very naturally to me yes but uh, what i meant is that the idea can come to anybody but you need the right people to make it happen and design it in a form that is human centric.
0: The fact you say that design is important and design thinking is very important. What Mm. do you think it should be part of our curriculum as we grow up? There are all kinds of subjects which are part of the curriculum, but I did not have a subject called design or design thinking. Do you think it should just be there all the time with us as we grow up?
1: I think it should be part of the curriculum very early on. It's a foundational thing. If the concept is taught to, to kids in school, it almost becomes like a foundation that they are building for themselves. And in uh, future when they get into different uh, spaces, it will be very easy to come up with solutions because design thinking primarily is a very uh, non-linear process which helps you understand uh, consumers and users. And it has simple principles of empathy and ideation, like it makes you think of ideas all the time. You become a generator of ideas and some people will come up with the most rubbish ideas. But even those rubbish ideas will be, you know, you will get to, you will think on them more and more and then it will become into something nice and then you get then you create like a little prototype of it or or some sort of uh, tangible illustration of it like not not literally a pencil illustration but an illustration of it then you can put it to test and i think it will create innovative solutions so this should be in the curriculum very early
0: yeah so i think you need to also your own achievements the power of your office and colleagues and see how you can approach different boards in the indian education system to put this on because we all have to make a start somewhere
1: yeah yeah
0: i also want to share something from my side i have been very active in the corporate social consciousness through the csr programs for the company which i used to work for before we did a huge campaign called Design for Change for the local Mm -hmm. Villa Parishad schools in Aurangabad. We we reached Mm -hmm. out to, I think, some more than 100,000 children, more than 2,500 schools. Like you said, empathy in the Design for Change program. The first thing we talk about is feel, feel the problem, which is related to what you said, empathy. Second thing we talk about is imagine, so think, what the solution could be, do it like you talk, make a small prototype about it, and then share it at large of what could be yeah. done. So they call it the FIDS model. I thought I'll pitch in my little gyan of uh, design thinking with you today.
1: Yes, yes.
0: So how many languages uh, have link to speak already been converted in? How many different geographies are using this now?
1: There are seven Indian languages. Okay. And then we've also made this uh, possible for six international languages like Spanish, French, Turkish, Arabic, Russian. Yeah, uh, they're all available on blink to speak website as a downloadable PDFs, which anybody can around the world download it for free and print them and create like a small booklet of it.
0: All right, great. What are the challenges? Are you seeing any challenges in propagating blink to speak on getting it to scale, on getting more and more people know about it?
1: Yeah, I mean, there are certain challenges because, see, I'm working for a company where I have a lot of other responsibilities. So for me to pull a lot of time into only blink to speak sometimes gets very difficult. So I am trying to create like a team of volunteers who can take this and do more about it. Because the important thing about Blink2Speak is that it requires a bit of training. Like you have to train the nurses or you have to train the patients to learn this language. And somebody has to willingly do that. Somebody has to spend that much time with the patients. It's not an easy thing you have to be very patient to tell them what they are learning so for that i really need help where you know there's a sort of a team who does that you know or it becomes in nursing colleges or it right. becomes a curriculum or it which the government of india makes it official as an i language then automatically there will be a followership for this language and there will be people and uh, hospitals and communities taking forward this into different groups of speech therapists and neurologists and other hospitals.
0: Do you have any success yet on this? Uh, are you trying something? Is something going on currently?
1: So I, I have been talking to NeuroGen because they were the first ones to support this idea and publish a lot of copies and distrib- they distribute to a lot of their own patients. Through the NGO Asha Ekho. So I am speaking to them if they if if a certain team can be made and start working on it slowly so that it spreads.
0: If I may suggest, Geet, I think the current times which we are in have brought our health minister and the entire health ministry to the forefront. And Dr. Harshwardhan yeah. is doing a great job in whatever is at his command and all what he can do. So if I may suggest to you, I think we have seen him or what dynamism he has. I think you should at an opportune time, uh, see how you could get, get this to him. Because if it goes through his office, it could be a game changer for so many people.
1: Yeah, I have, I will try and figure out how I can get through the health minister.
0: Yes. And we will make sure that we tweet your podcast out to him.
1: Yeah, I think this, this is a very interesting podcast that you are doing with people like us and it will help, uh, you know, our ideas to move forward very quickly.
0: Okay, so Keith, how did the world change for you? The Geet pre-blink-to-speak and the Geet post-blink-to-speak?
1: I have been working in advertising from a lot of years now. I started my career around 2003 and it obviously takes time for you to have a certain kind of maturity in advertising or creative business. I have seen that like in our business, there's a lot of people who are always trying to come up with great solutions and ideas. But it takes a lot of time for you to really understand your calling and by the time You understand your calling, sometimes you don't really achieve a lot or you overachieve. But for me, I think it was a fair balance because it was not just work, it was actual life. And it came through a real life situation. And uh, what it made me realize is that I have the ability and, and I have the power to really think big. So I realized that if I can come up with a solution like this, everybody can. And after we won Can Lions uh, Grand Prix, I think it boosted my confidence to another level. I, I have always been a very shy, introvert person, which I will still say I am an introvert person, but that shyness has now become into something that i have to talk to people and spread what i know so that even they can do the same so it has definitely increased my confidence it has given me an understanding that we can we can keep thinking and something will happen out of it so things like this and of course after blink to speak happened i got a, a lot of invites for judging award shows and which overall helped me understand my creativity even more.
0: In terms of people you know, how do they look up to you now?
1: Uh, I think I'm a very approachable person and everybody who know me or who wants to work with me, they definitely look up to me in the hope of them doing something big along with me. like. Basically support is what they are looking for because they probably feel that I have got a certain kind of exposure and experience and how can I spread that exposure and experience to others so that they can also see how interesting and good it can make to the world.
0: I have been reading on you and I I saw that you have also been involved in one more project which is called the One Mindful Mind. Yeah. Can you talk to us a little about that? And I think even that project has won a Grand Yeah,
1: yes. I think that was in
0: 2019. So 2018, for yourself, 2019, you have been associated with another project and I hope that uh, you will complete a hat trick.
1: (laughs) I hope so.
0: (laughs) Can you talk a little on One Mindful Mind with us? What is it about?
1: So uh, One Mindful Mind is actually a project for mental health and this project was the brainchild of one of my team members who I, who I had hired in 2018 when I was working on Blink to Speak. I was looking for people like really like-minded people who I could relate to easily. This very young girl, like I think she had just finished her college and this is probably this was probably her first, her second job and her first job was more like an internship. So this was her first proper job and uh, in her portfolio she had this little, sorry, little idea, no, it was a big idea of, of this kit that I can make for, for children on mental health. Basically it had different tools in the book where you can create something interesting for parents and children to bond with each other. And uh, it was at a very nascent stage, but she had done a lot of research on that project on mental health. Obviously that was one part of her work. There was a lot of other work that was very interesting and was something that I was looking for. After I hired her, we worked together and I realized that there's immense potential in this project that she had already started. And if we put in more effort into it and create that project together with with a, a bigger team and uh, add more solutions in that project, I think it can be turn in, turn out into another great piece that we can do with, with children and parents. Her name is uh, Raj Lakshmi and uh, she and me and other people in my team, we worked on this project called One Mindful Mind and created this very simple kit which had different activities for kids and parents to do together. And the clear insight for this idea was that, you know, we we see that there's an epidemic of anxiety amongst uh, children. They don't really know the meaning of empathy. Moral behavior is considered uncool. Moral classes are happening in the school maybe once a week, but it's not like a mandatory course in the schools. You know, uh, there is a lot of technological dependence these days. Like everybody is glued on TV or on mobile phones or iPads. So there is absolutely no bonding between parents so much so that only if parents have good influence on their children that they can make them do something else. So we thought that we need to create something which can create this connection between parents and kids. So then one mindful mind came to being. And there was a very interesting quote that Sadhguru had uh, said that you have to prepare children not for the university but for the universe. So that's why all these things just went very easily and it gave birth to this beautiful uh, designed blanket. And this is again design thinking. It was thought through. There had beautiful illustrations on them which will make it very approachable for the children to use. And it had uh, carefully designed workbooks in the kit which makes you realise which are exercises for self-reflection for children and it helps parents to understand what their child is going through.
0: Well, I hope I get a chance uh, sometime to talk to Raj Lakshmi and take a conversation with her on how all this came about because I have been going through that content and it's really impressive. One of the questions which I like to ask a lot of people, and particularly those who are also working in a corporate setting, is what is leadership to you?
1: It is supporting. In very simple words it is uh, you're not a leader if you are being bossy with your team it is more about supporting them and working with them and guiding them while they are doing something and learning from them there are a lot of things about being a good leader also means that you are uh, well informed like you know what is happening you have answers to most of the questions that come around you from your team members so that they feel comfortable asking you those questions and they feel abundant after they have spoken to you.
0: Yeah, well well said. And um, if I may just add my small bit to that, I think it it is great to be able to guide them and provide them with guidance and answers on what they are seeking out. But I think as Peter Drucker said, it is also asking the right questions. Yeah. Yeah. Fugit, you have been also growing and mentoring young women. Yeah. Can you talk to us a little about that?
1: I somehow just attracted most of the people working in my team as women. And I feel like somewhere when women walk together, there is a certain kind of friendship that allows it to happen very easily. So it just happened naturally, and I started attracting a lot of uh, young women in my team.
0: The Indian corporate setting is dominated by males. How can that change? We know of all the limitations. We know of all the constraints. Are you planning to do something on that front? Are you taking some steps as an individual or as a company to make that happen?
1: Yeah, I think my company overall, like, you know, TBW, worldwide have been extremely diverse in their hiring and also in promotions of different positions in our company. I don't really have the numbers and statistics, but if you read a little about TBWA worldwide, you will see that we are one of those companies who have a lot of senior management positions which are led by women. And they do a lot for women come up to the levels that a company would need. So this is something that I have seen and I think that's also one of the reasons why I am in TBWA from past uh, five years now. Like most of the uh, projects that I've worked with are actually done by women.
0: Sageet, people who listen to this conversation, to this podcast, would you like to suggest to them some, something to read on design thinking, on empathy, something which you have been influenced by. Share that with us over here.
1: Yes, sure. There's this company called IDEO. IDEO is a pure design thinking company actually. And there's a very famous book by the founder and partner of IDEO, Tom Kelly and David Kelly. I think they both are brothers and they started this company and the book is called Creative Confidence and that book is not, not for a particular industry but it's a generic book for everybody to read. So that's a very good book that I, I have read and I kind of uh, stick by their rules also in, in some way. There is another book called Sprint. It shows you problem-solving techniques. This book was actually given to me by my chief creative officer in my company when I had joined. And I think I didn't read it. It was just lying in my drawer for a long time. And then finally, when I realized that there are no new ideas that are coming in my mind, I started to read it and I followed it and it really helped. So there are some really good techniques by experts written in these books and it will help.
0: Geet, I think we are... Coming to the end of this conversation, I would like to ask you one final question. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen in the way we lead our lives, in the way we do our work post-Corona times?
1: I think this time is uh, extremely challenging right now for many people. Like Most of us are here locked down because of our own sort of deeds, actually, I would say. It feels to me sometimes that, uh, well, there is an influenza, there is a virus outside and hence we are not stepping outside. But I also feel that this is somehow like there is a nature taking revenge sort of feeling is brewing inside me. I feel that it is a way that nature is asking us to relax, sit back, amount of ill that we have caused to the nature is actually getting repaired in a way. So it will almost feel like you are stepping into a new business, you are stepping into something new, your mindset will completely change because you would have already spent so much time home, in retrospection, in thinking, you must have exercised much more, you must have eaten all home food. So these things are definitely going to make a lot of you know uh, change inside you and outside you so when you go out i think your behavior with people your values you will start valuing people much more because you know that things like this can happen anytime so you have to be much more uh, compassionate you have to think about uh, your own necessities how much do you need them? all these things are teaching us a lot of self-control and uh, patience And this will definitely help us, you know, it will be a better world, I feel, after
0: this. I think when we started this conversation, you said uh, compassion is a verb. And I think we all will start realizing that and we will start acting in that particular manner. Well, Geet, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It was a real pleasure to talk to you and I hope I get more chances to interact with you in the future.
1: Yes, I'm so happy to be on this chat and it's really uh, like it also made me think in retrospect all the the things that can happen after a, a chat like this. So thank you so much.
0: Thank you.